Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply so um, we've got a new exciting free beer offer on Footballistically Arsenal. As a loyal listener of the show, we can reward you with free beer thanks to our friends at beer52.com. You have the opportunity to sip eight free exclusive craft beers from around the world. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal and cover just £4.95 for the postage. What's more, Footballistically Arsenal listeners get two extra free beers, so that's a total of 10 free beers. And just if you're wondering who Beer 52 are, they are pioneers. They go across the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from the greatest small batch breweries on the planet. And um, they have themes. They deliver cases with different themes, including Germany, Korea, Norway, South Africa, California, Finland, and many more. Um, and the beauty of Beer 52 is they don't hold you to ransom. There's no lock-in. You can leave any time, but your first box will be sent to you the next day. So just go to beer52.com forward slash Arsenal to get your first case of eight beers for free. And don't forget, um, footballistically, Arsenal customers get an extra two beers free. That's beer52.com forward slash Arsenal. Hello and welcome to Footballistically Arsenal, the last podcast, not only of the year, but of the decade, Josh. And the first when Mikel Arteta has been our manager. And the A mixture first, of endings and beginnings. And the first of the Arteta era. Historic yeah. night all round, and it's Christmas Eve Eve, year of our Lord 2020. We're joined by two tremendous guests. We have Jim Eastlower. Hello. Hi. Never likes to give away his surname, because it's, well, you know... Can if you want. I, I, like to, I, like to, I must say, you, it's not God. Jeff. It's not Jeff. No, it's not like Jeff, Jeff, you're not allowed his Jeff surname. Jeff Arsenal genuinely doesn't have his surname. Maybe his surname um, is Arsenal. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe yours is East Lower. Well, no, I should get changed, though. James. Jim Harriet, right? Harriet, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. And, no relation of Ainsley. 
Spelled no, differently no. for a start, right? Or James Herriot, which uh, men, men, people of a certain age. Or Creatures Grain Small, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. being bit. remade by Channel 5 soon. Um, and we're joined by the great Adam Bernstein. Welcome, Adam. The lifelong chair of the um, Unai Emery fan club. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Boy, I just want to yes. say before we start. I don't know how you have time to be here, because I've just spotted you've got 13,000 unread emails in your phone. Yeah, how on earth? Do you, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, without even being OCD, yeah. how do you have the number 13,000 creeping up from your mailbox without going mad? Let me just mad? say, that's not strictly accurate. That's my phone version of my emails that I also access at work. And for some reason, I haven't synced it to the extent where... So at work, that is fine. Here on my, this phone, it looks like I haven't read them, but I have really. Well, so today you went through 13,000 emails at work? No, it's how just... How often do you sync it? <laughs> it's not... Oh my, it's, 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 yeah, there aren't... Th- just believe there aren't 13,000, right. yeah. I was going to say, from, that's a hell of a lot of work to get through over Christmas. Yeah, don't worry. Don't you worry about it. Um, we've got, yeah, so it's, it's very exciting. Adam, you, uh, you, I'm going to come to you first. You must be thrilled, vindicated, exonerated, um, etc. Because you have been, I, I think it's no, I'm no exaggeration to say, you've been the most vehement critic of Unai Emery since day one. You thought he was a useless, I'm paraphrasing, greasy, something or other. And now he's gone. You must be, how, what, how do you feel? Um, I think it's good for the club. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I think it's a slightly unfair depiction, but whatever. We'll go along with it. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I think the thing with Arteta is that it was always something for risk, and it was a risk eighteen months ago. And yeah, sure, he's probably developed a bit in the intervening period, but it's still a risk now. Um, which is why I would rather have done it before, because I think we've already now been through a period of kind of relative decline. And so, if it doesn't work out, you're in an even bigger problem. But I think what I always thought with Arteta in comparison to Emery, or the issue with Emery, was that Emery had a ceiling, which was that at best he might have got you into the top four, he might have squeaked you in there. But like, I think you know we had loads of evidence from before to suggest he wasn't a top manager, didn't have a particularly kind of defined style of play, and all of that basically played out over 18 months. Jim, how are you, how are you feeling? About Were you pro Arteta? Were you, well, who, was your, who was your pick of the Well, possible... I, remember, I remember at the time, and I, yeah. and I think on balance, I thought Emery was a safer bet uh, mm. because of his, cause he was more experienced. Mm. And Arteta, just as he is now, has, has never managed a, a, um, a top-flight match. So I think that was a safe bet at the time. And uh, yeah, OK, it didn't work out. Um, mm. I don't think he's a bad manager. I just don't think he was a good fit for mm. Arsenal. And, and he didn't... He just never really felt like a good fit to me. Mm. Whereas Arteta feels like a really good fit. Um, of course, we're just right at the very beginning of the era, of the decade, and we just we have no idea how it'll pan out. Whether he'll last 18 months or more or less. I mean, we just don't know. I think, um, but I think it feels more exciting to me. It feels mm. much more exciting. Josh, we, didn't, we, didn't, we were all in favour of Allegri, I seem to remember, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. Well, I think the point Adam makes is a great one. Because after you've had this 18 months of disappointment, largely, and the appointment failed of Unai Emery, you'd mm. have to say, yeah. it seems like I thought the club might go what I would call safe. Mm. And that would mean an Allegri or Ancelotti. But they've obviously been relatively bold with it. And probably, is there a feeling if you don't go with Arteta now, is he going to come a third time? Like, even in the first <laughs> press conference, he was asked... How close were you last time? And it was like a half smile of a very close and a bit like, I thought I had it, which is how it was reported in but the didn't press. He, he also said he wasn't ready as well. He, did, he, oh, said, he said, he said on, in one of the interviews well, on... Um, in it's one easier of the, to say that when you've then been given it, but I'm sure if he was yeah. given the job 18 months ago, he might have told us yeah, you know, sure. he was ready. I suspect in his interview, he didn't go, yeah. listen, guys, I'd love to take it. I'm just <laughs> not the right guy right yeah. now. So that's why I thought they'd go Allegri, but 
it was quite exciting watching that press conference. Now, did you see the little poll that we put out on Twitter straight after the no. announcement? This was on the Arsenal uh, podcast, and it was sent to you in the notes. I do send about an hour and a half ago, <laughs> so thanks for looking. I saw all the other we things said, you sent in the notes. How do you feel about Arteta's appointment as our new manager? 52% said very excited, 37% said ex- excited, 9% indifferent, just 2% unhappy. There's over 1,000 people voting. And after what we've had of what civil war... Of, of the Wenger in, Wenger out, and in the second, well, in, in this second season of Emery, it's felt like Emery in, Emery out. We very briefly had Arsenal fan TV in and out for over the weekend, which we might come, we'll come to. Oh my God, we'll definitely come but to But now it feels like yeah. Arteta in and his positivity yeah. around the yeah. club and... That, we'll, was, we'll that, was soon ended by, so, that was soon ended by the chant of um, Arsenal fan TV get out of our club. We'll come to that later. Yeah. Um, one thing I wanted to, I was going to mention is that I've been talking to, I happen to have spent time, quite a lot of time with towards of other clubs over the weekend, various people, various social things, and they're all fascinating. It's a busy social calendar. It's a busy social calendar I've got. But what's interesting is almost uniformly, the attitude from, and I'm not saying I I give a shit about this, I'm just relaying it, almost the uniform attitude of of, of other clubs was surprise, particularly that the Everton-Arsenal situation, that Everton have got the, in quotes, one of the greatest coaches of, of certainly available you know, right now in the world with an incredible track record of winning trophies. And they've got, Everton's got him, who are by any stretch of the imagination not a team of the same stature as us, a, a club of the same stature as us, I think it's safe to say. And we've gone for the totally untried risk, big risk. Now, I only relay that because I think generally that is the, se- the sense from other fans. I think it's weird. And I think if you sit back and look at it for a minute, you're like, oh, it is a bit weird, actually. But having said that, I've completely come around to him. I, I-, I genuinely thought that press conference, I was, you know, I, was, I would have much preferred, I, think I might have even preferred Ancelotti a little bit, just on the feeling that someone coming in who's that experience to kick these useless twats up the arse and sort, because, you know, I think we need sorting out in that way. But... Having seen the press conference, and I know it's only one press conference, but I think these things do matter. I said to some, someone, someone said to me on Twitter, "Oh, you know, oh, press conferences don't win you games." Blah, blah, blah. But I think actually, his level of charisma and intelligence and eloquence was so was what I really was wondering: is he going to be that charismatic? Because I think you look at Pep Guardiola and you look at Klopp, you look at the real hugely successful managers, in, and even Pochettino actually. They're all very charismatic, strong personalities, very eloquent, and they actually talk a really good game. I think that does matter. I think in leaders, leadership figures, it's possibly even the most important thing because presumably there's loads of coaches in, in the world that are all you know what they're doing, roughly. I mean, it's not, you know, football isn't that complicated that you don't know roughly. Emery probably, you know, kind of must have had some idea of what he's doing, but I thought he was a charisma vacuum and completely unimpressive as a communicator yeah. on so many levels. Whereas Arteta does seem... I don't, I don't remember seeing that much of him interviewed until now. And he just seems so eloquent and impressive. And his programme for what I'm going to do with the team and with the players seemed to make so much sense. It was like, it could not have been better. Yeah. And I think... I'm, I may be exaggerating the importance of that, but in a way, I don't think I am. Adam, what do you, were you press, did you watch the press conference? Um, I've seen clips. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. I, but I think it feeds into a wider thing, which is that he needs time 
And if you can bring the fans on board and make them excited and make them happy, then, yeah, like, obviously press conferences don't win you matches, but it's still buying you a bit more room to, you know, have some months to kind of implement a philosophy, get to the end of the season, have a full pre-season, etc. So, yeah, I think on that basis. But also, yeah, I think the way he spoke, it's exciting. It shows someone who has, a, like, a specific style of play which they want to implement, who looks like they can communicate effectively with the players, and also looks like someone to me who can actually inspire people, which I think mm. is kind of ultimately what you need in a leader. Yeah, completely. Yeah. Like I said, there's a certain steeliness about him as well. So there's yeah. a kind of, he seemed, I mean, I'd love to know, what was that poll that you put out, was that before his press conference or after? It would have been after. Yeah, because I, mm, I, I, you know, I was wavering a bit in terms of, you know, he clearly, no, no big side as big as Arsenal's has taken on a higher... 37-year-old like, like, like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, it just hasn't happened. Yeah. Right? So everyone knows it's a giant gamble. But I, I watched that. And, and I was mighty impressed by, yeah, like you say, by the way he was communicating, by his steeliness. And, and just, I suddenly thought, you know, he's the kind of guy that I can see everybody wanting to follow. And w- whether it works out or not, I just think now we're going to be glued to it a bit because um, we just switched off during the Emery press conference here. I think I watched more than one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas now I'm really, really intrigued. So, uh, and, and I think um, it's a risk, but I reckon, you know, you can see, we'll put it this way, you can see what the board saw in him. You really can. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. There, there was something quite nice about, not nice, but almost fitting. That there he was just over a week ago on the bench at the Emirates as we were probably the most outplayed we've ever been. Well, we've been in a long no, time. No, I wouldn't say that. No, I really no. would At home, at home like that. I felt sorry. I mean, I didn't do the pod last week because I had a lost voice. I didn't get a chance to yeah. relay my thoughts. But it, you felt sorry. I mean, it was, it was absolutely outclassed. So for him to be sitting there... Mm. Have we ever sat? We never sat like a what? Are we tenth, eleventh, halfway through a Premier League season. He is sitting here watching Arsenal Football Club at our lowest Premier League ebb, and he obviously is strong enough to go. No, I'm good enough to fix this. I'm good enough to get the team back to at least the level it was when I was around at the club as a top four, and hopefully beyond that. So I like the fact that that he was there for this lowest moment because I, you know, I'm now excited and part of this wave of people desperately hoping he can bring us back to some sort of you know. Level that that we used we were used to under the great Arsene Wenger. Mm. What did you make of the um, controversial uh, reference to him from was it Willie or Bamiang or uh, Pierre? Yes, or Pierre yeah, Bar- Bar- brother um, dissing him. Well, on go on. I'll jump in before Adam. Yeah. I must say I spoke I spoke to three or four ex Arsenal players in the last couple of weeks. You know, work wise, and I would say to a man they want they all felt an experienced coach would be the way to mm. go here. Yeah, um, and they, if they were in that dressing room. As you know, in their late twenties, thirties, they would want an experienced man who to come in and sort this out because it's a big, big thing that needs sorting. So that was quite an insight for me in just thinking what a risk this is that, that Arsenal have taken, and maybe there's a reason you never see. Forget even a top six Premier League side. I mean, you can throw an Eddie Howe out there as a young manager, but to have someone coming in that young to build, try and fix a club of this stature is really unusual. So, from the ex-players I spoke to, they were. Pretty conclusive yeah. on wanting an experienced man, but that's but that's different though, isn't it? The the the, one, the brother of one of the of probably, I mean, in my well, opinion, I, I say that because the point was the same thing. He said Arteta Lundberg. Same no, thing. I know, I know, I know. Why, yeah, but what I'm saying is, it's 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 bold. It's bold slash terrible, yeah. for, isn't it? For the brother of one of, of our one of our most important players to our slag off player. what our star player, our star player to yeah. slag off the new manager before he arrives. Well, I mean, I, I think either way, basically, you look at Aubameyang and you know whoever the manager is who comes in, um, it's going to take them time. Like realistically, what you're going to take two and a half years before you could like, even plausibly challenge for a league title if you're being reasonable about it. He's what 29, 30, he, and I think they're just trying to engineer a way for him to get out. 
And if it's because of Arteta, great, but they'll, they'll find another reason otherwise. Mm. That's possibly true. I yeah. also think it's much ado about nothing. I mean, what he said is true. You know, he is an ex- experienced manager, <laughs> yeah. just as Freddie Lungberg was, yeah. and and you can understand it. What he shouldn't have done is shot his mouth off on on social media. But you know, like 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 Josh said, I mean, it's 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 can on, you, on the cover. It's completely yeah. true. He's an inexperienced manager. Yeah. Can you see any way back from? Generally, I feel like Aubameyang's felt apart from the one game we won that get the West Ham game where they were all hugging each other at the end and it all seemed nice for about ten seconds. Aubameyang has looked like a slightly forlorn, pissed off figure, you know, shouting at the kids for not giving him the perfect through ball, which happened but twice. Who hasn't? Yeah, all right. But what, but what I'm saying is, a lot of people seem to be assuming he's going to leave. Mm. Can you see any way back, though? Can you see that actually he might not leave? And, and that I feel, I, I, I feel, like- I can see that. In my feeling is Arteta. I look at our front players, and I feel I've been saying this for ages. Generally, like I feel like someone like Arteta, with his City experience of knitting together great attacking players into some kind of functioning unit almost sometimes no matter what they're supposed to be what their actual general role is supposed to be what we know them for I think he can take Lacazette and Aubameyang and maybe even Ozil and maybe even Pepe and all those players we've got that I have, and possibly knit them together into some kind of unit so I wonder whether that he actually might somehow be able to get Aubameyang to change his he, he might be but I also think that you, you know, we, our accounts were um, announced recently and we're you know, in the in the red, yeah. and um, there's not a lot of money to go around. He's going to want to spend, and there's both of those players, Lacazette and Aubameyang, have what a year and a half left on their contract. Yeah. It wouldn't massively surprise me. So I do think there's a way back for both of them, and I'd love mm. them both to stay. But it mm. wouldn't massively surprise me if he got rid of one of them in, in, in either January or definitely, if, if not January, in, in the summer, because that's how you raise money, and it's it's just sensible business, really. Mm. Um, and he hasn't even been playing Lacazette recently, so almost no, not the last three or four games, which is I think a bit odd. But um, so well, I, Freddie I, didn't, yeah. I mean, Freddie, we should look at Freddie's team selection on Saturday was was a felt like a statement to me, didn't it? Huge statement, yeah. Statement of going. He's backing his guys, wasn't he? Yeah, know? I want, and it would be fascinating. Were that not his final hurrah as Arsenal manager? Whether he'd have gone with that kind of team, and it's very easy to go, yep, yeah, Ozil, you know, wouldn't have been involved even if he was, you know, not injured today because of what he did. Yeah. And just sort of wonder if you'd make the same selections were it not his last hurrah. But to give Smith Rowe a first Premier League game of the season, bringing Nelson, you know, we've seen very little of him this season. Brought on so. Willock before he brought on Lacazette. And obviously Saka, who actually was, really was excellent yeah, he was left a... back, but it was a, you know, an incredibly. Uh, and we didn't really have team. any other option apart from playing Saka, did he? Left back, to be fair to him. Yeah. What did you think? What do you think of? I know you're a big Urzel fan, yeah. as well as probably like Urzel as much as you dislike um, Emery. Um, what did you make of those comments about Urzel that he didn't need to say, did he? Because he could. No. I was surprised in the pre-match um, comments. He, he said it very quickly. And I was like, well, hold on. Did he actually just say I wasn't going to pick him anyway because of what he did? And, and, and he, he made that clarified clear. Clarified after. Clarified afterwards. What did you make of that? Um, I think it was a surprise, but I mean, I think in general, if you had a club with a bit more discipline and players made to work harder, like you know, it'd be a good thing on balance overall. So, I yeah, I mean, I, th- I mean, I think the issue, the issue is is that for me, it was quite similar to the West Ham game, the game against Everton, that when you got into the last half an hour, it was a bit more stretched. But instead of having kind of Urza and Pepe to pick pick through balls, you had Reese Nelson and Smith Rowe, who you know might have good careers, but I just think are not players of the same caliber. So yeah, yeah. you do have to reap what you sow in that respect as well. I mean, it was our first clean sheet for, felt like, decades. Um, and it did feel like, like there was a slightly more disciplined defensive approach. And they didn't have... I mean, they were terrible. It's, it's difficult sometimes to say, are they absolutely terrible? Were they terrible in that game? Did we somehow manage to make sure they didn't have a shot um, on target? 
And we only had, what, two, maybe three or something? Not I don't much. know. Not many. But what did you feel like, too? Did it feel like... I mean, I, I felt like... I, I, took, I took some heart from it, I, the clean yeah, sheet. No, I did. In the, yeah, I, did. Was... I mean, I thought where we were offensively absolutely <laughs> dire, yeah. I thought we were defensively pretty strong. Yeah. And I think what we had was... A, it did feel to me like an extra yard of... Maybe, if not pace, but an extra kind of spring in the step in terms of commitment and, and closing down and blocking and that kind of thing, which we might not have seen in the last two or three or four weeks now. You know, and it did feel to me that they were putting their bodies on the lines a bit more in the, in the defensive um, part of the game than mm. they would, would have done a few weeks ago. So I thought that was really, actually really encouraging. Arteta has said that since he felt that they did give him something. You know, he'd gone and asked for hard work and commitment. I mean, you know, very cliche what, you know, football requests that a manager might, might offer um, as expectations for his team. But it's something to build on, isn't it? And that it was a result that probably suited both teams in the circumstances. Both, you know, bizarre situation of having incoming managers watching from the stands and, you know, probably no one wanting to lose the game. But it was probably the most boring game of the season, would you say? Yeah, I think so. It was, yeah. it was, it was extraordinarily pretty difficult watching. Uneventful, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's the end of the decade. Like, Mike's <laughs> it was the worst game of the whole decade. So. Yeah, yeah, it could be, couldn't it? I wonder, yeah. Should have done a homework on worst games. Well, we'll talk about teams of a decade, maybe. But yeah, difficult to to pull out a game of a decade being that bad. Six nil at Chelsea on Wenger's thousandth game. Scarred me to the. Oh no, worst performances by us, but as a a dullness. Yeah, the most least eventful game. Depends what you like. If you like defence, then it was quite good. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I thought the most genuinely clean shit. I mean, we've been saying our problem with Arsenal football club season has been defence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So on on that grounds, if we can have that as a platform, when you bear in mind. How you know makeshift in a way the back four is is having to be at the moment with, yeah. without numerous you know potential starters. Although it's very hard to tell at the moment who is a first choice defender. So it is something hugely to to build upon, and it's, it's totally intriguing what is going to happen over these sort of Christmas yeah. games. Alteta's first team selection is going to be so interesting, isn't it? I just don't, what do you think about Ozil? I mean, you know, I don't want to talk about one individual, but I yeah. I wonder because. We had this period of Emery just obviously completely mm. leaving him out, bench, mm. then explode. Yeah. He's then come back not only into the squad but into the team. And then Freddie's made this comment, which is like, you know, that I'd, I'd probably bin him off again. I just can't help but wonder now you've gone from a very young manager, the final hurrah from Luma going very young with a team. I wonder if there will be such effort with, with Ozil. He talks about a clean slate with everyone now, but. I, I don't know if Ozil's going to be a starter here now going forward. I, some, something tells me not. I mean, for me, it, make, it makes absolute sense for him not to be a starter. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't make, it doesn't, there's no, I don't, I don't think, can't think of any Man City player who fits, you know, who's anywhere near that kind of, has had any kind of, anything like his attitude or way of playing or, you know, I, I, you know, I know you. I just don't see. I, I don't. It would be weird to me for him to pick him. But they are ex-teammates, of course, which is again yeah. a, a dynamic that what, have we ever, you know, probably had that situation at Arsenal. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm to think. I don't know if George Graham. No, I mean, I don't think we'd have had that situation. I mean, it's a bizarre scenario to to walk into, and you mm. wonder if maybe the fact that you know he would have seen some of the best that Arsenal fans have seen of Ozil when he was right alongside him. So maybe there's a belief in there that he. You know, can bring it out of him as a former teammate. I don't know, Jim. Do you think you'll? Do you think he'll? What do you think he'll do with Ozil? Uh, well, I mean, the thing is, I'm worried about how little we're creating at the moment. And having said that, we're not creating a lot with Ozil either. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've, I've thought for quite some time now that Ozil is 
is a player of a different era. You know, he's, he's, yeah. he's kind of comes from seven or eight years ago when you did have time on the ball mm-hmm. to do what you wanted. The game is much faster now. And he, and I, I do feel he's a bit of an anachronism. Um, and perhaps also on the decline, you know, as most people are after the age of 30 in footballing terms, or maybe in all terms. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. I, 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 I want him to get something out of him and, and to, for there to be a path back. But I, I, I just wonder whether it's a little bit mm. uh, asking a bit, a bit much. But, you know, that's, a, that's a, yes, one of his many tasks, isn't it? Do you feel, Boyd, or, or Adam, or, or Jim, how much of this season is now a free hit for Arteta? You see... I think in theory, you know, people always, fans always say, oh yeah, you know, it's a free hit, we'll give them, two, pundits always say they give them three, four, five, you know, transfer windows, give them time, but the reality... Not realistic. The, it's, but now more than ever, I think five years ago, yeah, you'd have given him, if, if Wenger had gone, when he should have gone, and they brought Arteta in, or someone the equivalent, and you know, they'd have had time, if it had been a kind of civilised, kind of managed handover... I think then you would have, people would have found someone going, all right, yeah, we want, we've got what we wanted, which is Wenger, Wenger's sad end period is gone. Now we've got a new guy that's given time. But I don't think it's like that now. It's too late for that now. I think, I think the fans are so impatient on every level about everything yeah. that if the results are... I mean, if the results are fine, then yeah, sure. But if the results are carry on being as bad as they have been, i.e. hardly any wins in six, seven, eight games, then I think people will be furious with him. As, you know, and particularly because there is a still as per your, the survey, but there's still a large percentage of people who find it a bit ridiculous that we've gone for him. What do you think, Adam? Do you think he'll, give, he'll be given time? I mean, fans are fickle, is my, is my thing. I, I think the fans are quite unreasonable. And so you sure. have a situation where you're, what, seven, eight points off the top four, mm. but also with like, quite difficult fixtures to come, yeah. um, like very bad performances. So ostensibly you should be like, well, we're quite clearly not going to get in the top four this season. Um, that's an unreasonable demand. I think there's still quite a lot of people who think that you know it could pick up. You have a few wins, you get a bit of momentum. Chelsea and Tottenham aren't very good, etc. And so there's like an unreasonable level of expectation that could still happen. So if you view it for, through a frame of well, look, actually, it'd be quite a good outcome if we actually ended up in the top six this season, notwithstanding it up the Europa League again. Yeah. Then yeah, probably you know he'll do quite a good job. But yeah. I think that's you know the reasonable bar which should be set. And in fact, the bar which is going to be set is something way higher than that. Which, like, also given you know how we've discussed the issues with various players, it's like you know almost impossible to meet. Yeah. I think I, I think I think if there's a noticeable improvement, I think I, I'd hope that fans will yeah. be. I think it's a total free hit anyway. Do you? Yeah, total yeah. Free, but as far as you're because you're a civilized Absolutely. human being, but no, I do. As far yeah. as the fans are concerned, yeah, both. Because uh, well, I think it, even if it had been someone like Ancelotti, it would have been a free hit because he's coming into a team that's not fu- uh, not functioning right, mm. and I don't think there's massive as long as you don't get relegated. Don't think there's any enormous uh, expectations, but I think it's especially a free hit because everyone knows he's inexperienced and he's learning on the job. So to me, I think that, you know, it's whatever happens between now and May. As long as you know, we don't lose Anything. ten in a row, right. well, if we, if we if we if we're getting so bad that we're down in the relegation zone, okay. Oh, no, no, no. But I'm not expecting that to happen, and I do yeah. think ultimately, you know, and we, we are the. It's, it's, a, it's a weird situation, isn't it? We're the same number of points roughly from the relegation zone as we are the top four. Nearer the relegation, zone. Nearer the relegation eight, eight from the relegation, but nine e- from the but top. But equally, four. we're what three points behind Spurs? I not think? a lot, no. You know, there's this weird. It, the league is very odd. I feel like this season, like Man U, Spurs, correct. Us. But we are eleventh. You know, no, I know we're eleventh, but it's it's each you know this season is different to, to to other seasons. All these teams, I feel like Man United, Spurs are capable of being shit as much as we are capable of being shit. And actually, in the end, you could see us. I think if we if we're competing for sixth, fifth, sixth, as as you're saying, Adam, which feels entirely like possible, then I think then I think the fans would be okay. To come think, sixth would require quite a lot of improvement. 
Well, I don't think it'll be... The, I mean, yeah, it'll be quite some improvement, but not as much as you think, because we're only three points off Spurs, aren't we? So it's, it's, it's one win, you know. Think how many points City are off Liverpool. Because well, I think it's quite a lot of teams above us. His first three games are away at Bournemouth. Oh, yeah. And then we've got to play you know, Chelsea United. Chelsea United. Sure. So it could very soon be, you know... We could have, exactly, we could have anything from... But it could be worse. Any number of those points. Those games are at home. It could be worse. They yeah, could yeah, be away. Yeah. Anyway, we'll talk more about what we think of the current situation at Arsenal. And... We're going to have the Arsenal Fan TV conversation after this break. Hello and welcome to Seeing Red, a true crime podcast brought to you by me, Mark and my co-host Bethan. Each week we take a deep dive into the dark world of true crime. Cases have ranged from the murder of Christina Abbott, a high-class escort who was killed by a sadistic client, to the Peru 2, a pair of young women convicted of smuggling drugs in South America. Whilst always respectful to the victims of these crimes, we do like to tell each story in our own unique style, with humour and lots of f***ing swearing. Join us every Wednesday for a new episode of Seeing Red, a true crime podcast, wherever you get yours. And we're back from the break. We should also talk about he's brought in his coaching team. Today it was confirmed that Freddie would be part of it, which seems, I mean, on a human level, he was, he was given the worst, the most poisoned of all chalices, wasn't he? And he's, you know, clearly a, a, a great guy. You know, he's done his best. It hasn't been... To, to, to have got rid of him would have felt cruel, harsh. I know it was supposed to be ruthless and everything, but that would have felt... Well, ridiculous. I think internally there'd have been pressure to try and find a way to involve him. They've swapped him over with Steve Bold, haven't they? So Bold's gone back to doing the under-23s. Freddie's been promoted to then, you know, four or five months into that, find himself unemployed would have felt yeah. you know, in- incredibly harsh. Um, and also, look, it, it's probably not the worst thing to have someone who has been around the players for, you know, a good period of time to try and help the new, uh, the new coaching team. But yeah, it was quite awkward conversation, wasn't it, in the press conference when he was being asked and... He's like, well, we haven't really had a conversation yet, but seemingly they've sorted it all out. And they also announced today about Steve Round. Yeah, Steve Round was at the game, sitting, and they hadn't even announced him yet. It was kind of obvious. But he, everyone says that he's a really good coach. I mean, I, you know, that's, I, mean I've, I had three, four people, different people who seem to know about these things texting me saying he's especially brilliant, blah, blah, blah. But generally, you know, the whole thing seems quite... I was, you know, the most interesting thing about the whole game was watching him from the stands, Arteta kind of looking... Looking enigmatic. Did you watch the the video the Arsenal website put out, like behind the scenes yeah, of Arteta's yeah. day? Yeah. When he, he went to when Per about, giving giving Per a hug. Yeah, and, and he asked, "Do we at, have drones?" That was my favourite highlight yeah, of him good, on the yeah. train. He was re- much relieved. <laughs> Glad to see our, our season tickets aren't going up anymore to pay for Arteta's drones. I don't think drones are that expensive these days. No, probably not. Yeah, probably probably by several actually with your club level season ticket. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was called a club-level wanker over the, over the weekend for the first time in a long time. By Dermot? I mean, I am. By Dermot? Not by Dermot, no, <laughs> I am. But about this Arsenal Fan TV thing. Let's get into the Arsenal Fan TV thing. So what seemed to have happened was, first of all, there was an audible chant of, of Arsenal Fan TV, get out of our club. Was that the yeah. chant? Yeah. Then there was this melee, as I'm calling it, afterwards, where, I don't know, 30, 50 people surrounded Robbie and the Arsenal Fan TV guys um, and it was, I felt, it looked like uncomfortable to what I wasn't there, I don't know. It just, it just looked, for me, it looked like bullying to me. And I tweeted, so I tweeted about it saying it looked, felt like bullying. Um, and that, you know, if you really hate them that much, just ignore them. You, Adam, t- 
tweeted very eloquently. Should we read out your tweet? Do you remember what you said? <laughs> Do you mind if we read out your tweet? Because it, sure. it was a very interesting um, observation. Here we go. You said, I find, I find it thoroughly bizarre argument which says, I don't like AFTV, so I don't watch it. Others can make the same choice. Insofar as it's true, but missing the point, unless we actively campaign against it, it is taken by lots of people to be representative of fan views. It's also clearly influencing fan views. I'm not saying they're the only cause, but they feed off extremism. Low, you end up with situations like Xhaka being booed off, hate towards Hector. Is Hector hated by anyone? Um, yeah, they sort of complain about him being interested in politics, fashion. Oh, those hair. people can fuck off, yeah. They make people angrier, making the matchday experience for others much worse. And the fact they're embarrassing and feed off division isn't just bad in and of itself, it also damages the brand of Arsenal and makes players less likely to sign. Now that's controversial. And less likely to stay, reinforcing our decline and helping to perpetuate it. So quite happy to criticise them. That's, so you're telling me that... If a player comes to sign, like, you know, I don't know, Tierney in the last, or whatever goes, someone goes, if you have Arsenal fan TV, do you really want to play for them? Why, I can't, I mean, I, yeah, but I, Before he answers that, <laughs> I want to tell you something. I'm dealing with someone not long retired in the game who, whose awareness and understanding of, of Arsenal fan TV blew my mind. This is someone who has you know, been a Premier League football, footballer fairly recently. And they felt really strongly, it surprised me, but I just thought... You know, you've played Premier Football, you're in a you know, certain you know, tier of celebrity and, and wealth. How could you possibly worry about what people on a camera are saying to you outside? Mm. And they were really aware of it and, and said, look, you know, footballers are just not immune to this kind of thing of you know, seeing the abuse that they get. They're probably you know, bold enough to not reply. And yes, we live in a day and age where you know, Rebecca Vardy can blame her PR people for controlling her social media accounts. But the actual... You know, t- celebrity or, or that horrible word, talent themselves, mm. is a, is aware of it, and so this horrible negativity that 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 has like come directed by I just think just a few of the people on the channel, and I think that's the most important thing to make. I think most people that are angry are about a couple of individuals, and I largely would defend the channel and will. Um, but it just it really amazed me how aware some of and, the actual players okay. are aware. And of the yet, channel. troops is, is best mates with Aubameyang. What, but when you, when you, that was quite interesting. Your your comments, Adam. Do you do you stand by? I know is it, you think it's that important an issue. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I sort of I see what you're saying that some of my conclusions seem a bit detached from the original crime. But there's a general point of they kind of create a culture where it's deemed like reasonable to send abuse to footballers on their Instagram and stuff like that, etc., etc. And like clearly they do read this stuff, not just from what Josh is saying, but also from like Xhaka disabling comments on his Instagram. Such was the level of abuse he was getting. I think when I've been on this podcast before, we've discussed like Anthony Bateman Niles like politely responding to these people. And yeah, like I do think that them sort of they love these videos where there's no nuance. And ultimately, in terms of kind of look, they're surrounding them outside the ground, whatever. But in terms of the specific point of the chant and shouting "fuck off Arsenal fan TV," like you can't tackle their populism with some like nuanced discussion on a on a podcast for fifteen minutes. Like in a football stadium, like we don't sing "We love you, Arsenal, we do." Apart from when you commit, you know, horrendous offensive howlers. Like these things have to kind of you know be a pithy soundbite, and I think that pithy soundbite is quite effective because it's not going to hound them out of the club. It's not going to censor them. It's merely going to make the point that there's a large, probably majority of people who don't agree with these people, who don't agree with Arsenal fan TV. And like, whenever I chat to people about, or not whenever, but often when I chat to people about football, they think that Arsenal fan TV is representative of the club, or they ask me about people's videos and what I think about them. And so, like, I'm quite happy for, you know, us to make a stand. I'm not saying it should be, like, our number one chant in the stand. But, like, 
I think it's something, yeah, we can chant an away game once in a while. What is the... What exactly is the... Like, what do you want them to do, is my question. Not you specifically, but the people... First of all, what I'd say about the whole social media thing, I feel that's completely different. I think people have been sending offensive messages on social media since since, since, uh, players were were accessible on social media. That's to do with the accessibility on social media. And people were booing off players before social media existed. And Arsenal fans have been very horrible to certain players in our history. As you know, know, you've been following the team... for, for, for years so I just don't feel it's a new I think blaming I think Arsenal it, fan TV for, and for toxicity when that toxicity has absolutely been there for years and years it exacerbates the issue but well in that case if it exacerbates the issue oh, does it reflect the issue doesn't it reflect what? I mean if fans are absolutely divided over for example things like Arsene Wenger in the latter years in the, in the last period it's a reflection of that they didn't start that they didn't instigate yeah, but, but that the, the superstars of Arsenal fan TV so I don't want to call them superstars <laughs> you just are, you, know, are, you know are not the people who are sort of making balanced comments people shouting Giroud is fucking shit you know like that's what gets you the views sure but is it, is it can I ask in a different way your problem doesn't seem to be a problem with the channel as a concept it's some of the content so are you just suggesting there should be some level of censorship? Because all I can say, and I'll, I'll come on to it, I texted Robbie after I saw it on Saturday night. The only thing, I, and I, I just have, from an entrepreneurial respect for what yeah. Robbie's done, mm. I just think, unbelievable. The bloke started with a camera himself outside the stadium. So he's got, I believe he now employs six or eight people. I can't remember which one of the two. And so just from an entrepreneur, I think it's incredible what he's done. And others have tried to replicate. He has tried to help others, even the Everton lads on Saturday, who there's a guy called Pete McPonnell, who I very, very vaguely know. I saw his tweets about saying how much Robbie had done to try to help them start their Toffee TV. And he has done that around, you know, around the country. But maybe the only thing I would, I would look to is to go, there, there seems to be very little, if any, censorship. So if you do get a situation where people are just being... Absolute dog abuse in a way that I don't think they can point at Talk Sport and go, "You do the same." Because if you rang up Talk Sport and you were effing and blinding and calling someone a c-word, this and you, you wouldn't be allowed on air. Of course, yeah. And that maybe sure. I don't know. I don't know what the, he Robbie wants to do but about censoring the, any of the content. My, I, I sense he doesn't. I, I don't know what you think, Jim. My my, my take on it is, is slightly that I I feel there were. I mean. I'll be honest with you, I've only ever watched five minutes of Arsenal Fan TV in my entire life. And that was when Robbie came on this podcast as a guest. I felt I had to do that. He used to come on quite regularly. Yeah, but I just don't have the time or inclination to watch idiots, with due respect. You know, because they are amplified. The idiot, I think, I think to, to take uh, idiots point, is a bit strong board. I, I'd I say. think it's a microcosm of the internet. Full stop. Right. So okay. what you, you've got a lot of new. You've got a lot of people go on there, and they've got and, and they're very you know in, contextual, and they, and everything they say is very reasonable. And you've got the people that, that ultimately like the sound of their own voice. It's no different to anywhere else. Yeah. I do. I, I do think there's a generational thing. Again, this is slightly anecdotal, but I've got a teenage son. He loves it, right? Mm. So he says, oh, Troops is in New York. X and Robbie mm. says this, Robbie says that. I don't watch it. Yeah. And I, I'm a middle-aged man. He's a, he's a 14-year-old kid. And, yeah. and a lot of his mates who are Arsenal fans, they also watch it. So I think it's like we've grown up where we kind of consume stuff a, a bit on, blo- you know, on blogs or, and, and podcasts and this kind of stuff, written content, where you do have time to be a bit more, uh, you, you think about stuff. But, and uh, they don't do that. So they, 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 they watch YouTube all the time. You know, mm. They don't watch terrestrial telly. I'm sorry to tell you this, Boyd. But they just, I'm aware. They, yeah, you, you know this, I know. But my, you know, my kids, they just straight on the YouTube, whether it's about basketball or football or Minecraft, whatever the hell. Here's my question. 
they're not taking it seriously, are they? They're not sitting there going, it's entertainment, isn't it? Well, it's- I don't know. If, I, I don't know at, at what age you understand what the nuance is there. So I do, yeah. I, I, but I do think. Um, but the, but their their start, their superstars, as you put it, Adam, are, su- are, fam- are have become famous by being over the top, expressing them. As, hold on, expressing them as an extremely colourful ludicrous I, I just can't take it seriously and i think i saw people I, I had a storm i've never had honestly even going back to the days of arsene wenger mm. i haven't had so many people fuck, having a liking why i tweeted and saying you're right b calling me a twat and a club level yeah. wanker <laughs> as i have this weekend honestly it's been exhausting i mean i think and it does become a parody of itself, how seriously it? and obsessed yeah. people are with it yeah and i'm sorry it's well the fact we're talking about it i know so it's you need i to think know. we have to because it was a th- it has yeah. become a thing but to me you're expending a fucking lot of energy on something that's just entertainment yeah. and to people going oh then they're they're exploiting the club they're making money we're all we're all fucking talking about what, what we like, our, our team, our podcast. I mean, we yeah. haven't made any money off this podcast in 10 years. But, you know, if we had have done, I would have been perfectly happy about it. You can't blame them for making money out of yeah, their because business. Because it's venture. your choice. They're not forcing right. you to watch it. And, like, and they're not standing in, but outside the no, away end, blocking I, you getting in. And but, what is certainly happening is their business model is, Adam, isn't it? It's people talking about it. And people, and people be, and, you know, they. Th- Ignoring it, if you really hate it, and like, people are saying to me, you can't ignore things in the day in this day of social media. I don't understand why not. Of course you can. Of course you can. You but, block but things. But, but they're influencers. That was Josh. Josh said what they've got over a million subscribers on YouTube. One point one. And million. that's yeah, that's influencing like wider fan opinions. But, but you can't. No, what, what, how do you know? How do oh, you know I don't people think are? You just, can say they're not no. into it because I went like I saw my. Uh, a little family moments for the other week. I saw my fifteen-year-old cousin, big Arsenal fan. Always wants to talk about Arsenal. He's genuinely. Doing a bit like Jim said, he's quoting me what troops have said. I haven't watched it. He's telling me what troops have said. That is, in a way that obviously he's got his mates in the playground, some of whom will support Arsenal, others he won't. And because he doesn't go to loads of games, he doesn't have a group of mates who he talks about going to games with, his barometer <laughs> is a little bit set by people like troops and I think DT and, and probably a few of the others who are you know, regulars or semi-regulars on there. So they are influencing but people are perfectly capable of making up their own mind, aren't they? He's must have, you know, I'm sure he's, he's, he doesn't agree blindly with every single thing Troop yeah, says. Yeah, I mean, I remember being 13. No I one agree, does. I didn't agree with every single thing that any pundit on TV said no. about Arsenal or any player said. It's just, I'm just saying they do have some influence. But they're not brainwashing people, are they? But people are capable of making up their own mind, but, like, that's a consequence of the media they consume. Like, if I read the Daily Express every day, I'd probably be concerned about Princess Diana's cause of death. <laughs> I don't, so I'm not. And, like, ultimately, if you keep on watching Arsenal fan TV, you probably are going to have opinions which are not at all nuanced. Well, what do you think? Okay, so in the end, what, what do you think should be done about it? Well, I'm hoping that them, you know, realizing there's quite a lot of negative fan sentiment to them, for example, might end up with them moderating their tone, or for example, but do you having, actually watch or, have, it? or having a wider range of people? No, I don't watch it. So how do because how do we know that, 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 that they don't have as many people on there that are being perfectly no, reasonable they, as they are as troops Rob, and on, DT this, and all the others? I'll defend Robbie. This is what Robbie would 100 percent say, and he is right. I would say, on average, they, he, from what I see and, and what I hear him say, and he was on Talksport having a really lengthy conversation with Simon Jordan about the channel and its top. Oh, I thought he absolutely destroyed Simon Jordan on that conversation. Yeah, um, I think it's about twenty videos probably done a game, and there are always new faces. But unashamedly, he would say, "Look, you know, DT and True and some of the other, you know, uh, people that come on the channel are a lot more popular, and therefore their views are always." Um, going to be, um, you know, viewed by a lot more people. What was interesting, a few of my mates, who some of whom watch channels, some of whom don't, were talking about it, is to say there is something that is, is tough to deny, that if you look at, like, the top, I think, top 20 videos that they've had 
on their channel, I think 19 were like immediately after defeats. There were there was kind of these rants that are given mm. immediately after defeats. So he can't... They, That's not they, surprising, is it? Not surprising. But it's kind of like, it then gives some strength to the argument. People going, oh, well, they revel in, you know, defeats. But at the bottom of the heart of it, I really think from having known Robbie, where I honestly don't think he could have dreamt of what it became, having known him better in those days, there is a real genuine fan at heart. There is... Uh, someone who, who loves a club, who wishes we were winning every game, who really believes in kind of giving fans a, a voice and, and free speech. I would only just wonder, could there be a bit of censorship when people are being, you know, could a cross as like crossing the line in terms of abuse directed? And I don't care if you're a celebrity. I think there's a line you shouldn't be abusing a player and their performance and telling them to F this and see that. That just do makes they, me do uncomfortable. They say that? Do they, I have seen me? a few clips where okay. it's been like, okay. you know, a Xhaka this and a, a few other players have been picked out for like, you know, mm. you know what seems like oh, too much abuse. Never from Robbie. Ne- Robbie mm. always seems incredibly well, he's, level he's ahead in the face. But he's just, a facilitator. But that, I, just, I just think if you have no censorship at all, and that's why, as I said, I don't think you can say it's exactly the same as a talk sport or any other outlet who but he must revels in fan it. opinion. He must edit it, doesn't he? He doesn't, he doesn't just pull out everything the whole thing does he go for hours on end I don't know no but I'm, I'm wondering like, I'm saying I, I don't know obviously I have no insight okay. whatsoever as to what doesn't get uploaded but I'm right. saying it looks like from what does get uploaded that there hasn't been too much going do you know what it's a, it's a bit much there to sort of the abuse of certain individuals seems to be getting. F- we've got to move on. My f- all I've f- to conclude, I just feel like this feels another thing to be divisive about. I feel like if we just didn't get so worked up about them, then why? Why then? It's not going to get people worked up. It's like a, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You could argue it's having it. You know, you talk about the brand, you know, and the effects it might have on the brand or otherwise. You could argue the other way. You could go, well, you know, Arsenal have the biggest fan channel around the world in football that must be attracting a serious yeah, and, audience and, and from abroad is that actually bringing it. people in and actually, because they want to come to the club and go to a game and mm. then hang around and maybe get interviewed by Arsenal fan TV so and most that's other fans, interesting to talk about most other fans to me think it's a joke I don't think I've never met a fan in yeah. my life who thinks they often, they, what, I think a lot of people watch it a lot of people yeah. watch it to, to have a bit of a laugh exactly. to be honest but, anyway. um, and I think yeah. what, what I can see they have done is they are developing the content there are shows now there is a, a young gun show I think Robbie mentioned he's starting a, a women's Arsenal football show, so that might have you know a positive impact mm. on on growing awareness around. So I think you know there, there are real positives um, to come out for it. It's just I, I remember being at Brighton away and talking on the podcast uh, a year and a half ago as, as Wenger came to the end of his reign. Now horrifically toxic it felt just being in the away end and people genuinely having like fist fights about Wenger in Wenger out how dare you like sing against Wenger the what, idea blaming, that as blaming, an away fan hold on you're blaming Arsenal fan TV for that no no I'm, oh, okay. to my point. I'm right. saying that was horrible and the right. idea of being in a away end again and having like a bunch of people singing against those people over there. Yeah, oh it's God, getting yeah, physical. It's dreadful. So yeah. just, I just let them do what they want to do. I, just yeah. don't, get, I don't get it. Anyway. I just think, you know, probably outside in the way ground when the, you know, the anger is high is not the right time. I, I don't know if Robbie has any intention of sitting down with people and li- listening to any genuine concerns they have, but I, it didn't look like the kind of people that want to have a sit down sort of chat about it. But it's going nowhere. 1.1 million subscribers, incredible. It's not going away. Any, you mean it's not going? <laughs> you said it's not going. It's not. It's going nowhere. It's going. It's going oh, up. It's, it's. It's not going. Up, yeah. It's. It's. It's, it's very much sticking around. Anyway, and fair play. Let's to not fucking talk about Arsenal Anthony any longer, um, because what? we've got a team of the decade to talk about. Well, Paul Merson did his. Paul Merson did his. Yes, Chesney. I think. Any disagreement? 
No. It's rubbish, isn't it? Um, now, of course, in classic Paul Merson style, with all due respect to the great man, he's only picked three defenders. <laughs> Whether that's the reflection, I mean, it is a kind of slightly fair reflection on the shitness of our defence, but he's picked Sanya. I think that's fair, isn't it? Yeah. Koscielny. Yeah. Koscielny, statistically, I saw a statistical thing saying that he is our top performer over the decade, like, purely measuring yeah. some Average scientific... Yeah, stats, some yeah. by thing. I mean, Monreal... Again, yeah. so now I would. I think we should probably throw in another. Defender. I'd go Tommy Vermeilen. Tommy Vermeilen. Thomas Vermeilen would be uh, my fourth. How uh, much did he play in the in the in this decade? Yeah, he was around much, for a bit it? of it. Okay. Um, I did um, did have it up. He was with the club until 2014. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Adam, any feelings about who you'd throw in? I wouldn't have Vermeilen. I'd, I'd have mm. maybe have Mertesacker mm, or. Yeah. Um, I mean, given these things are basically you're not, you're not picking people in position anyway, you could have two right backs and have Hector Bellerin as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that is true. I'd pick Hector, I think, yeah. I'd be tempted. Now, what, ahead of Sanya? Or as well as? Oh, both, yeah. Possibly. Okay. Yeah. yeah that is weird. <laughs> I, I mean, I'd it loosely to do something that could be a team. Yeah. No, you there are no rules. favourite players. I didn't realise we could just pick the best player at the pedestal. I, like, yeah. ha- I don't think we'd have many S- defenders Sanya, if Sanya, we just uh, play eight. Sanya played a centre back for a bit. But also, if you look at the oh, midfield yeah. Paul Merson's picked, I mean, I think you're going to read it out. Yeah, yeah, the formation. Like, it's clearly not a real team. Yeah, it's not. No, exactly. It's crazy, yeah. So he's then got the, this kind of four. He's got Ozil, Ramsey. Now, I'm sure. I, I, I mean, even I, I've critical Ozil. I'd have him in. The decades team, I think it's and Ramsey. I definitely have in the decades team. Any, yeah, Seminary? No, I don't think so. Kazola, Kazola, no. I'd have. I, well, Kazola is in his team, yeah. along with Wilshire. So he's got. I wouldn't have Wilshire. I, no. I think Wilshire had like a couple of brilliant games, but no, more than that. Come on, no, brilliant games. Yeah, one, like, run, brilliant one games. phenomenal yeah. season. One and phenomenal, then struggle one after really that. good yeah. season. Yeah, one game, you know, against Barcelona, where he was like. Going to be suddenly turned into a world class man, never, but never fulfilled. It's partly because of the injuries, but I don't feel he's like in the team of the decade. Adam, any? Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have Wilshire. I'd, I'd maybe have Mikel Arteta, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I mean, in terms of in terms of um, being at the club for quite a, performances, he's, he was in there a lot. I, for me, I, I associate him with the yeah. tedious period of the, of, of the f- football we played, which was much better than the last two years. <laughs> well, barely. Um, uh, it's up front. I feel we're going to have the most argument. <laughs> Robin Van Persie has to be there, as much as we then don't love him. Yeah, I'm fine with Van Persie. Yeah, I mean, Van Persie, sure. Um, now, he's Sanchez. Yeah, he got to. I would go with How Sanchez. long is it going to take for boys to mention Walcott? Well, I am going to mention Walcott. Okay. Um, massively underrated. Scored 105 goals. You know, absolutely should be in there. Here's something or, I could Or was he massively overrated, Boyd? No, absolutely not, no. He was, at, he was you know, un- unfairly abused by some... Arsenal fans, but he, I associate Theo with some of our most exciting games. In fact, off the top of my head, I haven't done any research, but the games um, in the period where Theo was playing with um, Sanchez sometimes, not often enough possibly, were some of the most exciting games of that whole period, you know, and people forget those games. People forget, and he had a lot, you know, he had a lot of injuries. But I think that's, of... that's, him, that's him in a nutshell, is that he made big impacts on yeah. some games, but the bigger picture is... I mean, you know, is that he often made no impact. I mean, he was, was, was an interesting player. Like, he's not... It's the same thing's happening in Everton, isn't it? With him. Oh, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's... I mean, he's, he's on the decline now. I mean, he, yeah, definitely, he definitely has some bad games, but I yeah. think he, he was someone who was basically burdened with kind of ridiculous expectations of expected to be, you know, the best winger yeah. of, as, of as all, all, all wingers are, aren't they? I mean, and yeah, and like... Yeah. 
he was like somebody who was just very, very good. And if you could view him through that prism, I yeah, think, yeah, he was, and, I'd definitely pick him. And when he was given the chance to play up front, I, th- I think he never let us down. I always think the, the, the games he played, you know, which was what is his thing, wasn't it? There was that constant thing: can I play up front? And every now and then he was allowed to. And, it, and generally, he, he scored goals. And Giroud. Now he's picked Giroud. I'm sorry, I've got to pick Aubameyang over Giroud. I mean, you know, Giroud's scoring record. I, 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 I looked up this stat. Giroud's scoring record, he played 225 games, scored 78 goals, 28 assists. It's just, I know people it's not go... not terrible, Boyd, especially given... I mean, Lacazette... Hold, right, hold up right, play and... The, the comparison, he's 0.17 goals per game, which for a striker, Lacazette's Who? already on 0.36. Who is 0.17? Giroud. That doesn't make sense. How many goals did you say? Uh, 225 games, 78 goals. That doesn't that ratio can't be right. Well, and you know he can't be right. And I know people say I know people say he, on, like he's like yeah. I know people say you know he did a lot of stuff apart from scoring and you know, but his assist record isn't great either. What's so, it, boy, boy, we've got to get this right. Our listeners don't want to get this right. Seventy-eight. <laughs> don't come to me for the maths chat, lads. Goals, Thirty-three percent. Oh, all right. Well, anyway, point three three. It's it's uh, getting back in your team, Giroud. There's just no comparison. Aubameyang is just a much better player in every sense. What you know to pick? No, I wouldn't pitch Giroud. It's insane. So anyway, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I still wouldn't pitch Giroud, <laughs> but I, I just think we have we've got to get the maths right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a treasury right. official, I'm okay. here to. Uh... The, do you, any um, thoughts on the worst team of a decade? You know, I saw a lot of people on on Twitter trying to get the worst team of the decade. Maybe we'll put out a, a poll looking for that one. Um, I put a few uh, a few names together that I thought um, Lichtsteiner. Yes. Santos, Jenkinson, Squidarchi, Elneny, Jovino, uh, Shamak, Sonogo, Park. And I had to stick another midfielder and was struggling. So I put in Miyachi. That's probably a bit harsh because I think the guy was literally on loan for the entire spell that he was at Arsenal. What yeah. about the ageing man new defender he brought in? Sylvester. Yeah, Sylvester. Potential yeah, yeah. shout. Surely got to be in there. And, and a back injury guy. Um, Kim Kalstrom Kim I could Kalstrom. have put in yes Kim Kalstrom could have made he an appearance wasn't that bad. he really <laughs> just had seven games I mean, it's a bit what, what about the guy we had on loan last season who uh, the guy we got oh, on yes. um, last oh yeah yeah uh, Dennis Suarez Dennis Suarez yeah that was a complete farce wasn't it yeah that was embarrassing I'd have him in there. Jovino, yeah. weirdly, was what it was one who got better when he left, which is very. Wenger always used yeah. to say, not many players do. No, yes. He actually did. So I don't know what that was all about. Yeah. Who's your of, of, of absolute favourite player of the decade? Of the Jim. decade? Yeah. Um, oh, my God. Uh, well, I did, love, I did love Sanchez's work rate and just the fact he used to lift the team up by his bootstraps. Yeah. And, and I just thought at the t- he came in at the time when the team didn't really have that kind of energy and he and he and he definitely had it um but can we pick like Fabregas at the very beginning of the decade I don't well, know well it's the Fabregas issue yeah because yeah. he was at the beginning wasn't he yeah he, but his final season wasn't great he had loads of injuries didn't he I think yeah. do you know but overall I'd say someone like Ramsey probably sums up the team in a better way than all than than, than those guys and just for lots of different reasons I, I always I, I really did like Ramsey a lot yeah I mean I, I think I also would have chosen Ramsey but I'd also give big shout out to Sanya and also to like Mesut Ozil. Now, ultimately, I know that people don't like him, but mm. when he was signed, we hadn't won a trophy in eight years, mm. and we went and won three trophies oh. in four years, yeah. challenged for the league title. Like, um, whatever your views on him now, I think that is like something we shouldn't get yeah. discounted. Oh, when, I mean, the signing, it was one of the most exciting signings, yeah, yeah. for sure, yeah, in the early days. Like Cazorla. Yeah, because I love Cazorla. Mm. Um, thingy um, always says he's overrated, doesn't he? Alan, Alan Algo always says he's um, but that's there's a few of them. One, there's a few of them. <laughs> there's a few of them. I, I'd have probably gone Sanchez. I think I'm with you. Mm. Yeah, Just me turning too. up and thinking, here is a player who can win us the game today. 
who could produce something out of nothing more than and that was the season where he scored like thirty decade. goals, wasn't there? From you know, mm. from from wide. He was out. He was out. Like now, there's those of those players, aren't there, who are kind of wide players that are wide forwards that are scoring loads of goals. He was out one of those, at least for a couple of seasons. And then subsequent happened to it's just mystifying, isn't it? I did see a lot of people trying to put up what was the Arsenal team of the 2000s against this team. And gosh, you would uh, it might be a mismatch akin to the Man City-Arsenal game from, from last week if you had to face those two teams. But alas, let's hope for more from the 2020s, Boyd. Yes. Now, um, Talking of which, we, we can go up to a couple of games and then we've got our first game of 2020 is, is Man United, isn't it? We've got Bournemouth first to talk Bournemouth. about on Boxing We've got Day. A lot of predictions to do. I'm sorry. Four games. Four <laughs> games before we pod next. I mean, they are completely pointless, but it's a tradition going back eight, nine years. So, how long have we been doing this fucking podcast? I think thing? you've been doing it eight. Yeah, I think it's been eight. Um, it's been a long, it's been a long trail, Adam. Um, Arsenal, the first game, Bournemouth away on Boxing Day. Arteta's first game. Yeah, I'm so excited in the dugout by this team news. Mainly, what do you think is going to happen on Amazon Prime? I mean, it's impossible to sell on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I think we're going to win. Yeah, two 0 like it. Yeah, Jim? well, this, mis- mis- this miserable sod has drunk the Arteta Kool-Aid, at least for that game. I think we're going to win that as well. I don't know what the score is. Do I have to say the actual score? Of course. Two- well, obviously we'll let a goal in. Yeah. 2-1. Okay. I'd take a one all draw. one all draw. Boyd? Uh, I'd say 2-1 as well. Wow. Very positive uh, yeah. belief in Arteta. Yeah. Then the Ch- Arsenal-Chelsea on Sunday. And that's tough, isn't it? Because Chelsea are like, did really brilliantly Terrific. Spurs, Terrific. Mm. But they were a bit shit in the previous couple of games. What do you reckon, Adam? I think we're going to win again. Do Why you? not? Like Might it. be the Prosecco. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We thank you to Jim for the Prosecco. Yes, thank you yeah. to Jim for the Prosecco. You're welcome. 2-1. Uh, Jim? Uh, no, I think a draw. I think it's going to be a draw. Maybe, yeah. Maybe one all. I mean, I think 2-2 two, two draw. Josh? one all. I think we'll draw that one. And finally... Before we come back, when are we, so we're going to be back on. Um, we'll be back because we're playing Leeds got, United I'm, on the Monday the sixth. Well. We'll be back on Tuesday the seventh. I think we'll beat Manchester United. I think. I think. I w- I'm hoping for five points from these Please three Premier League games. I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, I think a two-one win against Manchester United. I'm going to say two-one as well. I think a draw, one-all. Mm. Yeah. I think they're a funny side because they seem to go to the level of the team they're up against. So um, They have got much better results against better teams. Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, uh, oh, God. What am I going to say for this one? Yeah, I'm going to say... In a, you know, I think we're going to nick a win. Nick a win. 1-0? One, one Can that even be possible? Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, barely. Barely. 1-0. Remember, going to tighten up the defence that, that much between now and then. Um, and then we face Leeds United yeah. in, the, in the FA Cup. Which is uh, the last game before we come back to, to doing podcasting. There's going to be a lot of Leeds United fans in the stadium. So I think not only have they got, I think, the 9,000, mm. and then if, um, if people I know from Leeds are anything to go by who have been asking around for tickets in the Arsenal end, I think there is going to be one of those nights where uh, there's a lot of um, fans leaping up if they, if they do get a goal. Alas. And what's going to happen? It was all right, very well. I think, well, <laughs> we obviously don't have any Carabao Cup. The league is going to be the league this year. I, I would like to think we're going to give the FA Cup a, a real go and put out a strong team and, uh, and squeak by again. Sort of 2-1 Arsenal. I hate um, making predictions in the Cups without any yeah, team news. Um, I mean, that's, that's my big caveat. Uh, I mean, we should beat Leeds. We're better than Leeds. Yeah. 3-1. I thought 3-1 as well. This is a possible place of time, yeah. Jim, but what do you think? Win uh, Henri off the bench. <laughs> yes. There's also the argument going, well, it's not Leeds' it's priority. I mean, they are doing really well in the Championship. Yeah. Hell, do they need to get back into the Premier League? Uh, 
you know, might not be the worst sure. for them to put in a credible performance and uh, concentrate back on the league. Well, all I can say is um, it's been a glorious decade. Um, thanks to Josh thanks for to all you your boys. help. Thanks to Leon for um, letting us drone on for hours. Um, the engineer, etc. Thank you to Adam. Thank you for Jim Eastlower. And um, yeah, we'll be back. Back in 2020. Back in 2020. And apologies for my maths. I mean, I don't know. Who knows how it works? No, it's definitely 2020. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Great. I've got that right. Thanks. Bye. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.